When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So you notice the Lord Jesus speaks of the great tribulation there in verse 21. And these verses that we're reading in Matthew 24, they are referring to the period known as the great tribulation, or some people just say the tribulation. But whether you call it the great tribulation or the tribulation, uh, it's the same period of time. Seven years immediately after the rapture has taken place and all the Christians have been caught up and have gone to heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's not a Christian left on earth. The Holy Spirit's not there either. He's gone as well. And all hell is let loose. That's what Jesus is describing in Matthew 24. Verse 22 and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Okay, now over to Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. I know that we read this passage last Sunday, but it will do us no harm to read it again today. Revelation 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying, to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak 
and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Amen. The Lord will bless the public reading of his word to our hearts this morning. During the Great Tribulation, people will be forced to do certain things. And this applies to you, dear friend, if you're not a Christian. If you are not washed in the blood of Jesus and you continue to reject Jesus and the trumpet sounds and you're left behind, then you will be forced to do these things. Okay. There are two things that the false prophet will force people to do during the tribulation. I want to leave these two things with you today as we come to the end of the service. The first thing that you will be forced to do is found there in verse 12 of Revelation 13. Verse 12. Notice what it says. He causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. Verse 14. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. Then verse 15. And cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So notice that word cause. It keeps popping up in this portion. Causeth or cause. It's speaking of being forced to do something. It's speaking of coercion. It's always wrong, I believe, to coerce people to do anything. I'm a firm believer in that. I believe it's right and proper to give people their own right as individuals to choose what they do. Whatever it's in relation to. To give individual autonomy to people. To use their God-given common sense to make a decision. But there's going to be none of that in the, during the tribulation, folks. Not going to be allowed to choose. There'll be no freedom. No, that's all gone. And the first thing that you'll have to do is you'll have to worship the beast. The Antichrist. And you'll have to worship his image. You see, by this time, in the Jerusalem temple, which we sometimes call the third temple. And remember, the third temple is going to be built someday. 
We all know, or I hope we know, the first temple that was built by Solomon in the Old Testament. Then that was destroyed, of course. But then the second temple was, was built by the exiles that returned from Babylon. Okay? Uh, but then the second temple that was, I suppose we would say, renovated by King Herod during the time of Christ. Herod's temple, as it's known as. That temple, of course, was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. So the Jews haven't had a temple for 2,000 years. But whenever the rapture takes place, and mind you, it could take place any day now, so we need to be ready for it. But whenever the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place, and all the Christians go and the Holy Spirit goes too, then you're going to find that a man's going to appear in the scene who's going to take charge, and we know him as the Antichrist or the beast. And he's going to sign a treaty with the Jews, a peace deal. And he's going to be a man who has great military power behind him. He's going to have a lot of armies behind him, a lot of soldiers behind him. He's going to have military power. You see, we read there, if you notice, if you look at chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 12, and he exerciseth all the power. All the power. He's got a lot of power. When, it's, when it talks there about power, it's speaking about military power. This individual has military power behind him. And when he signs this peace deal with the Jews at the beginning of the tribulation, you're going to, of course, have... Muslims and other enemies of the Jews, other Jew haters who are going to say, we can't let them build the third temple. We can't allow the Jews to, to, put the, to, to construct the third temple in Jerusalem. But the Antichrist is just going to say, you have no choice, folks. It's my decision. I'm letting them rebuild the temple. I'm allowing them to construct the third temple. And uh, you can like it or lump it because I've got a a great military power behind me to shield the Jews under cover of the under cover of this peace deal so that they can get to work on the temple mount on the, on the temple mount in Jerusalem and build the third temple and then halfway through this tribulation period after three and a half years the antichrist is going to turn against the Jews and guess what's going to happen? Well, he's going to look and he's going to look at the Temple Mount and he's going to see something. Oh, the Jews have rebuilt the temple. The third temple is there. And guess what the beast is going to do? Guess what Antichrist is going to do? He's going to march into the temple in Jerusalem with his troops and he's going to set up an image to himself in the temple and he's going to command everybody on planet earth to worship the image of himself that's been set up in the temple you're going to have no choice he's going to cause them that dwell on the earth to worship the beast and to worship his image 
You see, folks, every person on planet Earth worships someone or something. That's the way we're made. Human beings have been created to worship. God has created us with that desire to worship someone or something. And, of course, it's his will that we worship him, the true and living God. But the people who are on the planet or who are on planet Earth during this tribulation period are people who have rejected the true and living God, and so naturally they will turn and, and they will they will worship the not the not Christ, but the Antichrist. Oh, they should have worshipped Christ before he came back and before the trumpet sounded, but they rejected him and despised him, and now they must worship the Antichrist. Behind all of this is the devil. You see, he's the one who wants the worship that God alone deserves. And at long last, in a sense, the devil gets the worship that he has craved for, for centuries, for millennia. And here, here, here it is, everybody on, on, on the earth. And they're all worshipping the beast through this image in Jerusalem. And it's sort of, if you can understand it like this, it's worship that's going from the individual to the image in Jerusalem to the, the Antichrist and then back to the devil himself. Sort of like a chain of worship. Daniel spoke of this image in his uh, prophecy in the Old Testament. He called it the abomination of desolation. What did we read in Matthew 24 a little earlier? We read about the Lord Jesus speaking of this same abomination of desolation. Boy, that's a mouthful on a Sunday morning. The abomination of desolation. But it's simply referring to the image that's described in Revelation chapter 13 of the Antichrist. We were just uh, teaching the, the young people in the Bible class today about Absalom, who rebelled against his father David. And by the way, there you've got a you've got like a picture, a type of the rebellion of the Antichrist against Christ. But, but it's very interesting. And we were reading how Absalom set up a pillar to himself. He set up a monument to himself. I mean, who, who, who ever does that? Generally, people don't set up monuments to themselves. But Absalom did. So he must have been a, a bit of a big head. But this is, this is what the, the beast does. This is exactly what the Antichrist does during the tribulation. He sets up a monument or an image in the temple in Jerusalem so that people will worship the image and worship him. The abomination of desolation. There was a man called... Antiochus Epiphanes, 
He was a Syrian king. And in the year 167 BC, he entered into Jerusalem and he desecrated the temple by uh, putting up an altar to the Greek god Zeus in the temple. It was on the burnt, the offer, the, uh, if I get my words right here, he, he set up the altar to Zeus on the altar of burnt offering in the temple in Jerusalem. Now that was bad enough, but then he went on and he sacrificed, guess what, on the altar. A pig. Of all animals, a pig. And you know that to the Jews, pigs are unclean. And this was the ultimate desecration of the temple. It's a picture of what the Antichrist will do someday. How he will defile the temple. Just like Antiochus setting up his pig, blaspheming, defiling, polluting the the temple. Well, someday that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. And God's holy temple will be polluted. But you know, dear friend, let me say today that your body is the temple of the Lord and my body too. And you know, there are times in our lives when we pollute the temple, don't we? There are times in our lives when we go astray. Times in our lives when we we listen to things that we shouldn't listen to, we watch things we shouldn't watch. Times in our lives when we we think, we say, we do things that that grieve the Lord. So we would like the Antichrist setting up the, the abomination in the temple, isn't it? What do we do? Well, we need to come to the Lord for cleansing. Aren't there times that we... And I'm speaking to myself, talking to myself, preaching to myself more than anybody here today. There's maybe, maybe it's time just that we need to get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, just wash me and cleanse me. Take away the pollution. Oh, Lord, the past is the past. Blotted out. Help me from now on, Lord, to glorify you in my body and in my spirit. So, folks, first of all, here's what, the, what this uh, deceiver is going to force people to do. He's going to force them to worship the image of the beast. This is what's, this is what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. People are going to be forced to worship the image of the beast. They're going to be forced to worship the Antichrist. They'll have no choice in the matter. Talk about coercion. And if you don't worship the image and if you don't worship the beast, you're going to be killed. You're going to be put to death. But there's another thing that people will be forced to do during the tribulation. I want you to notice this. They're going to be forced to receive the mark of the beast. This is what everybody knows about Revelation. 
Every, I mean, everybody talks about the mark of the beast. This is probably the most famous passage in Revelation. Even the unconverted know about the mark of the beast. But the reality is that every unconverted soul during the tribulation is going to be forced into receiving his mark. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 16. So... We want to keep our heads in the book today, as it were. We want to keep our focus on the Word of God. So look there at Revelation 13, and it's verse 16 as we finish. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Verse 17. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark. Did you notice that it says that he's going to force people to receive a mark in their right hand? It doesn't say on their right hand. Let's get that straight first of all. This is something that's under the skin, obviously. It's invisible, it's out of sight. In their right hand. But notice what it goes on to say. Or in their foreheads. In. Not on their foreheads. In their foreheads. Isn't it funny how we we tend to sort of skip over these these small words. These little words. And we don't notice them. That just struck me this morning actually as I was reading this passage. In their right hand, in their foreheads. The mark. We need to be aware today of what's happening. We need to be aware of things like transhumanism. I know that's another mouthful for a Sunday morning. Do you ever hear of transhumanism? Turning, turning human beings into robots. Sort of making people that they're half human being, half robot. Transhumanism. We need to be aware of that in these days. The Great Reset. You ever hear that phrase? The Great Reset. Resetting the whole financial Landscape. Need to be awake to these things, folks. The WEF, or World Economic Forum, because they're behind it. We need to get clued into that organization in these days. Agenda 2030. Keep your ear to the ground for that as well. Agenda 2030. And uh, if the Lord wills and if he enables us, we will refer more to these terms in the weeks and months ahead. A Swedish startup has created a microchip the size of a grain of rice. That can be implanted under the skin. Displaying an individual's COVID vaccine status when scanned. 
The invention was created by a tech firm called Epicenter, and it involves a pre-programmed scannable implant 2 millimeters by 16 millimeters in size, being inserted just beneath the skin. The, manage, the managing director of the firm demonstrated how it was possible to scan the chip with his phone. Now, I'm just reading from an article, in case you're wondering, an article on the internet. But this manage, managing director, he, he demonstrated to this person who was interviewing him how it was possible to scan the chip with his phone to bring up a PDF that showed all the details of his EU digital COVID certificate, a pass which is similar to the US vaccine card. It indicates that one is inoculated against COVID-19 or that the person has had a negative test result. Now let me quote what this managing director said. This means it is always accessible for me or for anyone else, really, who wants to read me. For example, if I go to the movies or to a shopping center, then people will be able to check my status even if I don't have my phone. The implant costs 100 euros. And he goes on to say, I am convinced that this technology is here to stay. And we will think it nothing strange to have an implant in our hand. End of quote. Let me just read a few more lines from the article. Thousands of people in Sweden have already signed up to get the chips inserted just above their thumbs, making it easy for them to scan themselves into homes, gyms, and offices, or to pay for public transport by swiping their hands over digital readers. And some say the Bible's out of date. One day, my dear friend, if you're not saved and you're left behind when all the Christians go, one day you'll be forced to have this thing under your skin. Oh, to, oh today, you, you, you nobody will force you. It's entirely optional. You just pay 100 euro and you can get it. But nobody will coerce you into getting it. But there's coming a day when it will not be optional, but it will be compulsory. The mark of the beast Prepare to meet thy God. 503, please. Let's finish with that hymn, 503. You see, here's the one that you come to in order to make preparation for eternity. The Lord Jesus, the wonderful Saviour. And we're still in the day of grace. And he's waiting with outstretched arms to receive you today if you'll come to him.
Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. Let's have the uh, opening verse and the closing verse of 503. Let's stand. <clears throat> 